Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode number 27 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today, I'm absolutely buzzing because I've got Tony Griffin with me. Tony is the best-selling author of the Teenager's Book of Life, and I can't wait to speak to him about the book, the background of the book, and the importance of that book uh, during the the climate that we all find ourselves in the moment, the challenging climate we all find ourselves in at the moment, especially for teenagers out there. So, Tony, how are you doing? I'm great, Gavin. It's super to be to have the chance to be interviewed yeah. by you and talk to you. Yeah, likewise, we've been trying to make this happen for quite some time now. So, eventually, got around to between everything. Yeah. So, yeah, as I mentioned, the teenagers' book of life, and as I've been. We've been speaking before the recording here, you know, understanding the importance of that book and the mm. day and age we're living at the moment. Being a teenager has always been a challenge, uh, but I yeah. think more so now over the last 12 months or more, maybe going into maybe 18 months now, almost, mm. what everything has happened and social outlets being shut down, not a lot of um, opportunity for friendships or for actual progress for for teenagers in terms of um you know the socializing and uh, finding their way in life they've been stuck in life perhaps over the last 12 months being confined to the four walls and uh, i think it has been massively challenging for them and i do work with several teenage boys myself i mentor them and i understand the difficulties of going through so i thank you for writing that book on behalf of Myself and all teenagers out there, and, and being a dad myself, I think it's uh, super important for parents to better understand their teenagers as well. So, yeah, thanks for that. And from the beginning, what inspired you to write this book, or what brought it about? It's 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 one of those things that I I never kind of sat down with a plan to write the book. Like it wasn't on my twenty twenty one to do list or twenty twenty five big goals, write a book. Um, I was, although I was, I had decided to start writing. Um, so I had 13,000 words of another book written. And then I, I met with um, the publisher of my first book, Screaming at the Sky. And he said, no, 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 you've got to write the book about your experiences over 10 years with teenagers, like listening to so many, like 50,000 of them. I said, no, no, I've done that. I've done that. I want to move on. And what he kind of, he, what he said buried into my brain, I started thinking back like, what was I like as a teenager? And, you know, I was a quite a, I was a really sporty kid, um, but I was also really sensitive and insecure. So when I hit 13, I was still like tiny, you know, I hung around with this really big guy, my best friend, Shane, and he was like six foot and shaving when we were 12. And I was like five foot two and, you know, still, still hoping that someday I'd have a reason to use a razor. But, and I remember just feeling really kind of uncertain and insecure and, the one place I felt different was when I stepped onto a hurling field. I just felt like I felt I didn't think about what people thought of me. I didn't worry about how I looked. I just got lost and absorbed in this game. And, you know, as I went through my teens, 
I that's where I think what got me through was sport. And I often think, what would I have, what would life have been like if I didn't have that? Because I was a very sensitive. Uh, then I got gangly and lanky and I was even more self-conscious as a 16, 17 year old. So unbeknownst to myself, Gavin, why I wrote the book is because it's probably for my 15 year old self and the stuff I wished I'd been told or I wish I had an adult with self-awareness to say, you know what? This is life and this is kind of what life's going to be like. You know, my dad was of a certain time. He showed his his language of love was through action and he had seven children. Whereas when he passed, I said, there's so many things I wish we talked about as fathers and sons, but we don't know how to do that necessarily. We don't have the language for it. So the Teenager's Book of Life, I say it took me 10 years to research and nine weeks to write. And I wrote it when our son was born. And I said, you know, if anything ever happened to me, what would I like him to have when he's a teenager? And I'm amazed that so many people are, are, are liking it and reading it and passing it on. And it's beyond my wildest dreams, to be honest. Amazing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of inspiration there from your past that uh, inspired you to, to write that book in the first place from your own experiences, from your own insecurities and, and your own yeah. struggles. And also perhaps the pain that you dealt with whenever your dad did pass away as well. And, what you yeah, can lost there and what you now have to offer your own son and the sons of many parents out there at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's a, you know, when we say teenagers, it's almost like, it's just a phase they say, and you know, you're, you're getting ready to be an adult. So just go to school. But if you think about it, you're no longer a child. So your, your brain is developing in ways where you're seeking novelty and excitement and you're feeling things more than you ever have before yet a lot of the adults you look at they're not like that and mm-hmm. um, so you're no longer a child you're in this transition zone and it should be a, a stage of our lives where we really explore who we are we future proof ourselves with the skills internally we're going to require to live healthy lives but as society we're, we haven't done ancient societies did it they recognize the importance of the initiation stage of, of that years of those years but because we don't do it, and because I'd listened to so many young people in schools all over the world, really, mostly in Ireland, I started to hear these, these young people feel quite abandoned and lost. There's no one, like you're mentoring fellas, and, and they're lucky young guys, but there's no one really, school isn't there to mentor us. It's brilliant academically, and our teachers are amazing people. And yet, we're missing an opportunity to harness the potential that's there so that those lives are are future lives as adults are they contribute to the world they enhance society they enhance the the global family the communities that these young people live in but we don't give that to young people unfortunately so I kind of wrote the book and some days I'd be in this little office and I'd be writing there'd be tears streaming down my face thinking about my own teenage years or teenagers I've met who were completely lost and then other days I'd be punching the table with anger saying it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. It should be easier. We should value them more rather than see them as an annoyance. Um, so there's a bit of everything in the book. You know, there's a, the chapters are laid out in such a way that it starts with who am I all the way to the last chapters about death. But in between that, there's friendship, there's pain, there's hard times, love. Um, your parents are idiots. Most parents say your, your parents are what? But what I, I say is it's hard to be a parent you know that as and and I'm also a dad to young to young children like it's it's difficult try being a parent to a teenager 
where you forget what it's like to be a teenager and you're just pulling your hair out and yeah. you just wish these days would be over. But yeah. um, they're also full of potential. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there in terms of being a parent. And yeah, maybe we forget what it was like to be a teenager. Although I don't like to think I've forgotten about it because I don't like to think it was that long ago, but <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> 20 years ago when i was 16 so uh yeah that's uh yeah that's not that's not go there but i think as well uh times have changed now when i was Mm -hmm. 15 like yourself when i was 15 16 you know there was i think that was that was perhaps when the phones start coming out i think i got my first phone when i was about 16 uh but there wasn't Mm -hmm. the instagram there wasn't the there wasn't yeah. the same instant gratification to be gained from from the phone. So when you're when you mentioned there about seeking excitement uh, for a teenager, for sure that was yeah. something major in my own life. And the excitement usually came from chasing after girls or playing sports, you know, um, doing yeah, something competitive. Now that excitement I feel has been uh, transitioned into the phone and social media. Instagram, yeah, TikTok, yeah. all these kind of things, the the likes and the, the comments and the the validation and gratification that's achieved from that. Mm-hmm. And also along with that is the uh, it's the reward systems that go with, with the gaming. You know, gaming is a massive thing and mm-hmm. the guys that, that I do mentor, one of the biggest struggles they have is 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 the gaming. Uh, spending full days on their computer, um, talking to the friends through the screen mm-hmm. obviously there's a there's a mission there's a challenge and there's a reward what the gaming yeah. is about that as i said it's not being attained from real life so this is now being uh, channeled into virtual life and uh, of course for myself and yourself we feel like that's not the uh, that's not the best direction to go however mm-hmm. times are changing and okay. from your own perspective What's your views on that? What's your views on on phone usage for teenagers, gaming for teenagers? You know, they're still seeking that reward, seeking that excitement, but are they looking for it in all the wrong areas now? Well, it's it's like everything. Like there's a blessing and a a curse in in everything in in some ways. And look, I, I overuse my phone. You know, like I'm, you know, even lately, just all the different social media platforms. I suppose the thing, the thing that I often think, and like you have met guys who are big into gaming, is that's incredible. But there's also beauty outside of ourselves that is all around us that, you know, we can't we can't necessarily engage with. It's you know, I think it comes back to who who and what is driving your psychological car, who's in the driving seat, and that's why the book is all about self awareness. Like if I was to say one thing about why I wrote the book, it's how do we wake people up um, in a way that, okay, life can teach you experiences that wake you up and bring times to you that force you to look at yourself and look within. The book started because a friend of mine challenged me to write an authentic quote for teenagers. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And our baby, Jesse, was suffering badly with colic. So I'd be driving all over the Wicklow Mountains trying to get him to sleep. And one evening, the quote just appeared in the windshield. It was like it was written in front of me. And it went, the most important relationship you'll ever have is with yourself. Every other is secondary. So with a lot of the social media platforms, the relationship isn't necessarily with yourself. It's what you want to the world to think you are or see you are. 
So you're constantly projecting who you who you'd like the world to feel you are. And and that's kind of insidious. It gets inside you to a point where you can forget, well, who are you? Um, so if you know, if these multi-million dollar, billion dollar clever platforms and gaming companies, which have a place, um, if they weren't in your life, who would you be? What would you be? Would you be someone that's more comfortable in your own skin? And ultimately, you know, a friend of mine does a lot of work with trying to develop health programs for people using gaming. So it does have a benefit to all our lives. When it comes down to it, when you fall asleep at night or you wake up at 4 a.m. like we all have, a little scared of what's coming or what's coming the next day or what did you do that day that you might regret, all those little worries. No piece of gaming or social media is going to quieten that inner child. It's your relationship with yourself. And that's where, whether it's the Teenager's Book of Life or the mentoring you do, we've got to help our young people have a relationship with themselves. Because that's who's going to travel with them throughout their lives. Now, our schools aren't necessarily doing that, but it's doing something brilliantly academic. So I just feel there's a generation of us like yourself, myself, others like us, that need to look back the tracks and say, hold on a second. I'm now at an age where I am an elder and I'm definitely an elder in terms of self-awareness because I've done a lot of work. That doesn't mean I know everything, but I've got to look back the tracks and help some of these young people climb on my shoulders, climb my back and bring them with us. Because who's going to, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not doing the work you're doing with those young fellas, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we are the generation I feel that need to just say we're man enough and woman enough to take care of our, our teenagers, our children and start advocating for them and demanding more for them because they, they, they need it. Yeah. And we have it to do and to yeah. give. Yeah. That's important. It's uh Self-awareness is, is huge. And even from my own experience, you know, I would have had my own difficulties in teenage years and uh, most likely where my foundation of porn addiction grew from. And um, I had my, my vices and I had my impulse, impulsiveness. And uh, I think a lot of it came from not being able to connect with my mom or my dad you know not being able to open up about what i was struggling with and even within that as well just not being aware of what i was doing as you said that self-awareness just was not available to me at the time because i never stood back and assessed my life as a whole and asked myself why am i watching porn here for hours every single night or yeah. why am i behaving in a certain way why am i taking this these certain actions i never asked the questions why and without that as i said i was just on autopilot and driven by my impulses and uh, those impulses eventually evolved into addictions and mm. i think for me it was maybe seeking connections in all the wrong areas which i, I feel for a lot of teenagers as well they do become disconnected from perhaps parents, from peers, from friends, perhaps as well. And they're looking for these connections now in, mm. in social media and gaming and yeah. just being able to find some meaning in their lives by having that praise or credit or validation from other people to know that, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this person likes me or I am good enough because they've given me loads of likes on my on my photo and yeah. Instagram. And so... But at the end of the day, it's it's about substance. It's not 
real and yeah, it's it's completely not real it's yeah. so true and it's so ephemeral and nebulous like it's gone one day so it's not very sound footing to to base yourself upon but it's funny you talk about the porn addiction and and you know we all have our vices you say it's funny a really good friend of mine amazing woman she's a recently recovered alcoholic and she talks a lot to me about how the addiction was was always about the pain you know it was almost like she was trying to drown the pain and and i think that our greatest one of our greatest needs is belonging you know especially for teenagers social connection is is one of their four primary drives that's why that's why this time has been particularly hard for them because usually it's it's our friends that we normalize the experience of life with not our parents um, because we can't relate to them and in some ways they can't relate to us and that's that's part of the process so it's our friends we do that with that's why COVID has had a particularly, I think, mm. um, it's been felt hugely by our elderly and our, our, our teenagers because our teenagers need that. They actually have a, a, a neurological requirement to have social connection. So obviously social media is very attractive, but also things like, as you say, porn or gaming, because there is a connection to something. Whereas at, over time you realize it's it's only uh, an illusion. It's not the connection to what I'm really looking for, which is connection to myself. That's where the journey begins of, well, who am I? Um, who, who, who am I as differentiated to even my friends? But then what connects me to my friends? So um, it's, uh, yeah, like it, it's... It's a big topic, man. There's a lot in there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, for sure. I think it's... Uh... I think the trouble is, is that, yeah, you're you're looking for that connection, you're seeking that connection, and yes, you might, might grab hold of it for a short period of time, as you said, such as a day or even a minute, yeah. and it does give you a reward. It does there there is a feel good factor that comes with it. There is a dopamine effect that comes with it, and then you and then without that, you feel empty. So of course, what are you going to do? You're going to keep on chasing that reward. And it's it's like a dog, you know, chasing chasing a yeah. cat. You know, you you never really catch. You're never there. You're never yeah. You're never oh, yeah, you're driving your life. Driving. Yeah. So it's uh, a certain as I said, I I can certainly empathise with with a lot of the teenagers at the moment who, um, who are lacking that connection and seeking that connection in all the wrong areas and understanding that okay you're gaming for four or five hours every single day all right well accumulate that over the course of a week that's a lot of hours accumulate that over the course of a year that's a lot of time however understand that from that there may be an addiction evolving like as i said it comes back to understanding why like why am i why do i feel the need to to go on the computer every single day and and game why do i feel the need to hop onto my phone in the morning first thing and check the likes and engage with people. Why am I spending hours every single night watching porn? Like, and as I said, it's without asking that question, as I said, I feel you're always an autopilot without understanding the, the cause of your, of your impulses. And, and therefore, as I said, you're just heading down a very dark road, which I have been down and it's not a nice place to be. So, uh, and so how did they, begin like how do you develop that self-awareness yeah it's a it's a good question like but part of me actually asked myself and i would like the thing about the teenagers book of life was it, it almost wrote itself in some ways and i used to think to myself ah 
who'll actually read this? Um, but the one thing I did was I, I had a little, I wrote on the wall in front of me, my granny, she, my mother's Scottish and my granny was a great woman. She was just like, Bella was her name. She had this kind of lovely way about her, but she had a hard life. Whenever she came to visit us in Clare, I can I can just remember the feeling of coming into school from school and knowing she was in the house and she was always singing Irish songs to herself. Her parents were from from uh, Rasharkin and um, her grandparents. So she'd be in our house in Clare, come to visit my mom and visit us, and she'd just be standing at the kitchen sink. Oh, geez, I can see her now washing the dishes and singing away to herself. But she'd turn and she'd give you this big hug and. You know, you just melt into her and, and she'd just envelop you and she'd be telling you how great you were and probably found it easier to show love to her grandkids than than her own kids, like like many people, like us all in some ways. So my memory of, of her coming is special. So I wrote on the wall, I got a picture of her while I was writing the book and I wrote, be daringly honest and don't write to please anyone. And in some ways, when you, when you, we all have to take that road differently the mythologist Joseph Campbell says there's there's many different paths into the forest, but they all lead to the same place. Every everyone must find their own path in, and I think that's the, the thing with with becoming aware of who you are with self awareness is there's everyone needs to go on their own journey for that. And I know that's an overused phrase, but it's so true because some people will come to it via getting lost through addiction. I really came to it through my father dying, not handling the grief, not talking about the grief, having a breakdown, going through a year where I didn't want to even wake up every morning. And when I did, I'd say, oh, can it just be night? Can I just go back to sleep? But having things that I needed to do, so I had to, to try and do them. But some days, the smallest thing, like even getting to a lecture felt like I'd get there and I'd feel like I have nothing left for the day. So, but that pointed me in a direction where I started to ask myself the questions. And I thought I was pretty... You know, I was a high-performing athlete. I was playing in Croke Park in front of 80,000 people. But deep down, there was things I hadn't allowed myself to feel, the grief. There's things I hadn't addressed, you know, even things like, you know, a period of being bullied as a 13-year-old where I just brushed it off because I didn't want the lads to think about it. But every time I brushed my to teeth and saw the chipped tooth, I'd think, I'd, I'd grimace. Um, so there was a lot of things I hadn't even worked through. And... You know, as after my dad died, I had to do it because it was like life or death. So that was my way into it. And this is where I think about what do our society of the future look like? You know, we have these teenagers from and our primary schools are really, really, they've come a long way. But our secondary schools are, are a little harder. It's like turning an a ocean liner with a toothpick. It's hard to, to move, you know, mm. but we're, we're starting and our teachers want to. But the reality is that's a zone or a stage in life that, to answer your question in a very roundabout way, where we could start to create the conditions where it's normal to ask the question, who am I? Because when you start asking that question, who am I? It, it has layers. It's like a spiral in, inwards. Mm. If we could do that more as teenage, uh, in the teenage years, who am I? Who do I want to be? Where have I come from? Questions like that, if they were integrated into how we um, initiate and educate our, our young people, you're setting people up for a life where they make choices. They're, they're not victims of a script written by someone or something outside of their control. They are their authors. They are the author of their own script. Um, and that's a, that's where I believe the schools of the future are going to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's 
powerful and it, i think it's also comes back to the parents isn't it because i think that a lot of teenagers and adults are living off their their parents scripts you know you've got to you know we want you to go to uh the best college we want you to become a lawyer solicitor or doctor or you know some of these things are a footballer whatever it is and you're living out your parents dreams for you as opposed to having your own dreams or living up to your own expectations i think that's a lot i think that's something else that that uh, puts a lot of pressure on teenagers and men as well i think it uh, obviously transitions from childhood into teenage years into adulthood mm-hmm. as it's properly dealt with and, and let go of but it's the expectations of especially for uh, again i speak to a lot of men especially for men uh, the expectations of of being the man like mm-hmm. how are you expected to behave how are you expected to act in certain situations and in, in daily life and sometimes you you don't know so you have to go off your parents expectations or your peers expectations or your teachers expectations and then you start living off as i said their script so that's a very difficult thing to do i think to just go against what your parents want you to do or your teachers believe you should do it's, it's a very bold move and uh because you mentioned parents there gavin and one of the reasons i have such empathy for parents of any child is firstly I'm learning firsthand how how demanding it is for how much of a mirror it is to have children because it does put the mirror just gets bigger the more they think for themselves and what is reflected back to you is all the rules internal and otherwise that you've adopted and created where you know I, I you should respect me or you you hear yourself th- saying things your parents said saying oh my god I said I'd never say that so the work is never done and the mirrors only get bigger if we don't do the work on ourselves or explore that but it's interesting you mentioned about parents because the chapter your parents are idiots there's a little in brackets and so are you what I'm saying is we're all doing our best throughout my years working with SOAR which was an organisation that two of us set up inspired by an Irishman called Jim Steins down in Melbourne. We looked at what he did and we brought it back and we created SOAR. And that's where I, that's where I really learned so much about teenagers and was taught by them. But it's, uh, it's just, it's kind of what we're talking about. The parents I would meet, really well-intentioned people whose son or daughter had a gambling addiction or, you know, a cocaine addiction or were just lost or, They'd come home every day from school and cry because they felt that they didn't fit in or they were being bullied, whatever it might be. These parents would come to me. And on one side, I'd have this parent saying, I just want to be able to talk to my son or daughter. And on the other side, I'd have the son or daughter talking so eloquently in a way that I'd say, would you talk to your mom or dad like this? Ah, never. They wouldn't get it. And I'd say, well, they're looking to connect with you. But it was there was this mismatch, a divide. So I didn't expect this. But the book people are telling me is being used by parents and teenagers because it's safe ground. You know, the chapter say on death, for example, they're beginning to talk about granny's dying because the kid was shy and nervous to in case it upset the parent and the parent just thought they'd fall apart if they did talk about it. Now they're talking about it using this kind of safe territory in the middle or friendship or love or pain or hard times. The parents start to tell the kids about times they went through something really difficult. They've never told them this before might be you know a miscarriage or it might be a, a bad relationship or it might be a, a you know um, an abusive parent or something but they're telling the kid for the first time all of a sudden something magic happens the kid sees the parent as a person not as their parent 
and this connection happens. And I didn't expect that with the book. Uh, I just didn't see that one coming, that it would it yeah. would bring people together. It's broken down the barrier, isn't it, between the parent exactly. and, and the child or the parent and the teenager. That's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's savage. And uh, it's great to see that because I, I think, yeah, there's a lot of fear with parents, isn't it, to, to speak to speak to their kids about certain topics because they feel like they, uh, as you said, they may be too sensitive to hear it or yeah. it could cause a breakdown or cause them to become depressed about certain topics or, or situations. And maybe as well, the parents are afraid to be seen in a different light. Maybe the parents are afraid to be seen as a person. because Afraid to be seen. Yeah, because they're afraid yeah. that... You know, if, if if they're not being the parent, that yeah. they're not going to be respected, or they're yeah. not going to have that um, authority over their over the kids anymore, yeah. maybe. But and there's a there's a bit of agility there because the one thing that will get a teenager to respond to is if you're real with them. Again, going back to some of the research on this thing, their brains are looking for meaning at that stage in their life, and they're looking to belong. So if you give, if a parent is really open with a teenager and is honest with them. The teenager will listen. They'll see you. They'll hear you. Um, but for a lot of parents, as you say, there's fear around that. Like intimacy is intimacy. You know, will they? Will I be seen? And how will they see me? But that's where the, the parent's journey is. That's where that, is, that acceptance of, I am not just a parent. I'm a person. I was born without children, you know. Um, and, but there's another part to that where it's about being agile to be able to be the parent that's able to have that conversation. Bearing in mind what I learned from so many teenagers, they're ready and able for more than most parents realize. Way more. They're able. They're they're on chat show, chat lines or they're on Messenger doing stuff you, you probably don't even want to know about as a parent. So they're able for more than you think they are. They're wiser than you think they are. So they're capable for the conversations that will bring you closer together. And for a parent, it, the trick is how do you do that? And then also be the parent. So you don't just try and win their affection and win their approval with the kids approval and affection you're able to be honest and say intimacy intimacy this is who i really am and i'm also your parent so now it's time to go to bed because it's midnight (laughs) you know so that's the trick and it takes a bit of of practice that's the fine line yeah i think it's uh for a lot of parents too there's the reluctancy to uh to see that the child is going into an adolescent or, or as an adult, you're kind of holding on to the child. And sure, I'm doing that with our six-year-old. You know, he, the hugs aren't as frequent because he's starting to be a, his own little man. And and I and I started to pine for them. And I said, Tony, that's your need. That's not. You need to let him be him. Now, I'm no expert in parenting. My God, I'm definitely not. I just have met a lot of teenagers and I realized there's a way they operate that when I look back, I operated that way. You did. Mm. And, but parents usually forget and they think they're looking at their nine-year-old who should be huggy. Like I hear some from mums, my son used to be so lovely. He'd come and he'd hug me and he'd sit in my lap maybe. And, and now he's 13 and I think I've lost him. And I said, good. Imagine raising a man who wants to sit in his mom's lap and read books. No, <laughs> yeah. He's got to go and like yeah. learn what it means to be a little man. So you need to learn as well what that means to let him go. He's going to come back to you. Yeah. And on his wedding day, you'll dance with him. Yeah. But you've got to you've got to let him go now. That's that hard. That is the other big struggle, isn't it, through teenage years? Because you're trying to actually break away from your parents and break away. From, yeah. you, you're trying to 
you're almost trying to disconnect from them and then connect, as you said, more with your friends and, and, and those kind of people who are on the same wavelength as you. Um, but, and perhaps it is the parents that struggle most with that and they hold, hold them back and they say, no, you can't go meet your friends tonight. No, you have to stay in. No, you have to go to bed at a certain time. Um, why don't you give me a hug you know so yeah I don't know. Uh, we can do something like together, you know and you and it's like no you've got to let them become more independent or else eventually what will happen is they may become more dependent on you as they get older and then they never find their way in life perhaps and that's they're living, they're living with you when they're 40. yeah that perhaps has been in your fridge at 40. yeah 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 it's you kind of hold on yeah. to it. so yeah i, I mean, met this mother the other day gavin met this mother on the street and she just said um she goes i i, I saw a piece you wrote it was in the newspaper i said yeah and she goes i didn't exactly like it i said okay go on and she said uh oh it was saying you should they should uh let kids go to the skate park because it was an article about kids i met at skate park who said adults were always shouting at them if they're on the street with a skateboard saying you know calling them all sorts of names and these kids were teenagers were telling me this so i wrote an article about called let them play which is they need this place this is where they figure out who they want to be so this mom was saying now my son keeps saying he read the article happened to be on the kitchen table and he saw the skateboard and photo and he read it and now every time he wants to go to the skate park and um, his mom says, yeah, we got to tidy your room. And he says, yeah, but that guy in the paper said that it's, this is good for me. So he's obviously a, a smart little shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, the truth is that's, that's where he's going to do a lot of his even figuring out of COVID and recovery. He's been through a little bit of a trauma as a 14 year old. He hasn't left his bedroom for months on end. Hasn't been allowed to see his friends only over, over um, FaceTime or whatever. And I was saying like, that's, that's his counseling room. That's his. That's where he's going to do a lot of his making sense of where he's come from, mm. and so I don't know. That's not going to help him clean his room. Yeah. But uh, if you figure out how to get your kid to clean your room, will you come and explain how I get my six-year-old to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. It is. It's it's still uh, being able to adhere to those duties and uh, understanding yeah. the importance of uh, doing the work before you. Uh, have the fun and again that's something else that will stand for in the future but that, I, that's interesting actually that the skate park scenario because uh something i noticed in the local playground to bring the kids to the playgrounds mm-hmm. most days and in the playground uh there, there used to be a, a gang of lads just gathering around there like loads of bikes mm-hmm. and parents in the playground getting angry because the, the these uh teenagers were in the yeah. playground uh, hanging off the bars and just messing around and stuff. Yeah. This, this is a kid's playground. What I look, I said, yeah. look, those teenagers just do not have another outlet at the moment. Like there's no football to go to. There's no skate park to go to. There's no cinema yeah. to go to. Yeah. So, I mean, they need something. And if they're going to hang off the bars in the playground, let them go because, uh, there, there's something happening there. There's something magical happening there. And they were, they weren't causing any hassle, but, just taking up a lot of space and a lot of the the swings and the slides uh, from the kids, but okay. they're still kids trying to find their way in life. And through that social interacting, that's that's how they're doing it. So yeah, yeah for sure. And as I said, you know, going back to our previous point, you know, if there isn't that outlet in the external world, they're going to find that outlet in the in the virtual world. And it's again, that's a very yeah, very uh, deep rabbit hole to, to get to get trapped uh, in. Yeah, I know. Trapped in. So, um, 
so yeah in a way it's better just to hang off the bars in the playground than to be stuck playing video games all day perhaps you know and out, out in your yeah, you know, I'd, be, I'd be in that parent as well in the playground saying oh would those guys just leave it alone and then i have to check myself and say they need this and actually why haven't i as an adult campaign more for a bigger skate park in our local town because that's what they need of course. you know if you think about it the, if, if I was Dennis O'Brien and I'm calling you out, Dennis, I'd be building a skate park. If I won the Euro Millions, I'd build a skate park or something like that in every community in Ireland. Watch what would happen. The health of the nation would increase because they'd be emotionally more um, resilient because they'd have this place to figure out what's going on, talk to each other, normalize whatever they're going through. And they'd be physically healthier because they'd actually be, okay, they'd be drinking the odd can and smoking the odd joint, but they're going to do that anyways. Um, we all did a version of that. Mm-hmm. Even even the really good, good kids do a version of it. Or if they don't want to do it later on in life, and I end up working, or you end up meeting a lot of those men and women who like the wheels come off their life, yeah, um, because they haven't maybe experimented with stuff or learned about life earlier. So yeah, maybe skateboard more skateboard parks would be good for them and those. Good stuff. Are you putting it out there now? More skateboard parks. Yeah, let's let's do it, man. We'll get the. We'll get the foundation set and uh, put it out there. Now that's that's brilliant, man, and a, a lot of valid points there. And so, like to to close on, if mm. there, if there was and there is uh, teenagers listening to this, what mm. couple of nuggets could you give them if they are kind of stuck in that rut at the moment, stuck in, um, as I said, maybe some of that virtual world, not really being able to fit in or knowing where to fit in at the moment. What couple of bits of advice could you give them to help them move forward, start moving forward in life towards becoming a, a, a very uh, healthy adult, both in body and mind? It's, you know, I'm always slow giving advice to a teenager because one of the things is, and the book comes across again and again, is you're wiser than you realize. You know more than you, than you actually know, you know. You have experience in ways because of the life you've lived that sometimes isn't seen or appreciated by the adults in your life. That doesn't make you any less wise. You are wise. So if you want to go in a certain direction in your life, go there. Like back yourself to go there. You may not get the reinforcement you're looking for for anybody, but don't second guess or apologize for who you are. Just keep going in the direction of who you think you are. So that'd be first. Second is, you know, Everything I've done that, that has led to me having a better life has been on the other side of hard. You know, it's the other side of hard. It's the other side of pain. So pain is going to visit you because that's what brings us home to ourselves. Don't run from it and don't find ways to try and hide it or squash it. Face it. You know, it's got, a, it's got gold disguised as dirt. Go and find the gold. And that's going through the pain, going through the hard times, you know, whatever it is, no, like, don't expect the cavalry to come because you are the cavalry. So base into it. That's the second thing I'd say. Don't run from pain or hard times. It's here. It's here and it has a gift for you. And the third thing is that um, look out for your mates. If you have a mate that used to come out more and hang out with you, but now they're gaming more and more and more, they're not doing that only because they love game. They're doing that because they're escaping from real life. So go and pull them out of that place, even a little bit. And um, and if you're that person and you're and you're finding yourself more and more not wanting to leave the house because you found kind of joy in this little world, 
there's a bigger world out there. Um, and just don't just don't forget that there's a world that, that wants you to be a part of it outside of the gaming world you live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a lot to contribute in this world and Massive. this life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's like in the book, I say over and over again, it's going to be OK. So many teenagers, so many adults are so afraid that something terrible is going to happen. If they look back in their life, they've got to hear. So it's going to be OK sometimes in ways we can't even understand our mind can't comprehend Mm -hmm. life is a way of working out as long as we just stick at it Mm -hmm. brilliant tony so thank you for that and i've taken a lot from that interview myself uh, that i'm gonna be taking notes and uh, implementing into my own parenthood so thank you and for everyone listening where can they grab a copy of this brilliant book this best-selling book that you have uh, probably the easiest place as of this this weekend, last weekend, uh, it's now available in 100 done stores throughout the country, north and south. So all over the country, it's available in, a, in the done stores closest to you. And, um, you know, I, I know aunties and uncles are buying it, parents are buying it, but get it into the hands of a teenager. And if you are the parent, maybe have a read yourself first. It might help you and make life easier for you. And it might help you connect with your uh, now big baby in the house. Um, so Dunn Stores is the best place. And as of July, we'll be releasing it as a Spotify playlist where it's narrated so for free so everyone can listen to it. Brilliant. Nice one. That's excellent. Eh? And uh, yeah, so get down to your local Dunn Stores and grab a copy. And if anyone want to get in touch with you, Tony, where's best to find you or how's best to get uh, in touch with you? Probably easiest, teenagersbookoflife.com um, or the, the teenagersbookoflife.com. They can get me via email there or they can find me on Instagram. And um, I love, I love the social media world. So uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't actually. But it's, a love, it's a love hate scenario, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, isn't it so true. Yeah. Devin, thanks so much. I've loved watching what you do and you're a brave soul and our country and our world needs people like you to continue doing what they're yeah. doing. So I really, I'm honored to be on your podcast. I appreciate that Tony. And I'm honored to have you here as well. It's been an absolute privilege. So thank you very much. Go grab a copy.